0: You are listening to Borderline Idealist. Join us every Sunday and Wednesday for new episodes where we focus on introverts, highly sensitive people, and mental health. Log on to borderlineidealist.com for past episodes, blog posts, and to find ways to support us. Together, we can give a voice to introverts and tear down mental health stigma. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Borderline Idealist. I'm Ajani, or AJ, the INFP.
1: And I'm Christian, or Chris, the INFJ.
0: And today's topic is being in a relationship with someone with borderline personality disorder.
1: Right, being in a relationship and and discussing those special challenges that arises with someone who has this mental condition.
0: So... Naturally, the first question is, what is borderline personality disorder or BPD?
1: Sure. So this is how scientists or doctors describe the condition. It is characterized by unstable relationships, unstable sense of self, and trouble controlling emotions. A lot of people with BPD uh, struggle with feelings of emptiness, fear of abandonment, and oftentimes self-harm. Symptoms may be brought on by normal interactions that the sufferer sees as negative. Substance abuse, depression, anxiety, and eating disorders are also commonly associated with people who suffer from BPD. And, unfortunately, up to 10% of people affected by BPD die by suicide. Since we have a person here who has that condition. That's Ajani, me. How would you characterize that um, description? Do you think it's pretty accurate?
0: I do. I see BPD as a personality disorder, or, you know, it's, it's a part of my personality. The sense of self is, you know, me asking, you know, who am I today? You know, with the, with the depression anxiety, I'm not sure what I'm going to be going through this day. Am I going to be depressed today? Am I going to be anxious about something? Who am I? Um, unstable relationships, that's definitely one big part of BPD. You want to get along with people, you want to have friends, but you don't think they'll understand your, your trouble controlling those intense emotions, so you actually stay away from people. Even though you love, you love so intensely that it can turn into obsession, so you tend to stay away from people. Uh, The fear of abandonment is something that comes from the obsession, because you'll be like, oh, I I love you. Please don't leave me. Mm. You know, what can I do to make you stay? Mm. Substance abuse, I've I've dealt with that. I haven't dealt with the eating disorder, although my mom definitely wants me to eat more. (laughs) I second
1: that. (laughs) Yeah, everyone
0: wants me to eat more. I'm too skinny. Uh, I think that may
1: be genetics as well. <laughs> yeah, that's
0: gen- that's genetics, but so is BPD. That comes from genetics, and that leads to where, where does BPD come from? So definitely from my family history, the more I talk to my parents, the more I feel like they may have suffered from a personality disorder, but also I didn't receive the emotional validation I needed growing up. So basically, my parents would, you know, if I told them I was feeling bad, they would say, oh, well, you have food to eat, you have toys, you have you have so much more than I ever had. What can you be sad about? Get back to work. And it's not because they didn't love me. It's because they thought I had everything that I needed. But what they didn't realize is that I needed emotional validation that, you know, when I said I was depressed or I didn't realize I was having anxiety attacks when I was little. I remember
1: you telling me that uh, sometimes you would tell them that you felt like you were floating, Mm -hmm. like you... It sort of, uh, what was that word?
0: Um, uh, well, I was, I was dreamy. Like, right. I, like I was dreamy or out of my body. Yeah, out of body experience. Yeah, and I would be like, something feels off, and they would just be like, ah, get back to work. You know, only because they wanted me to do better. They wanted me to be better than they were. They wanted me to go to college. They wanted me to have a good life. It, you know, the, the moral of the story is to always think about how your children are feeling. Because that is almost as important if not as important as their their physical health mental health and physical health go hand in hand I struggled with feelings of not feeling normal whatever that means how I felt like everyone else should feel you know I was desperately trying to figure out who I was and how I was feeling and but I never felt like I had a stable mind I would love somebody but then I would hate them, drastically. So it's very confusing, it's very taxing on yourself. You're trying to be what you think you should be, but you just can't, you can't get there. So not receiving that emotional validation growing up led me to always look for that in other people. After years of therapy, I realized I had BPD, and with a combination of drugs, that were prescribed by my my psychiatrist <laughs> and <laughs> and a therapist, I was able to semi-overcome that validation of feelings, but it's something that I have to live with for the rest of my life. Sometimes when Chris and I have arguments or something doesn't go right, I jump right back into that, that anger of not understanding who I am. Why didn't you tell me this? Why, why didn't I do this? I'm so mad at myself. But then I have to catch myself and say, wait, that's the BPD. I need to come back down. I love myself. I love you. I don't want to hurt you. Everything's going to be okay. So it's just not having that, that stable mind. But after years of therapy, I can kind of catch myself. When we're talking about relationships with people, when I first met Chris, we met on an online dating site. And we connected first over our uh, Meyer Briggs personality types. And I was, was going to mm-hmm. say,
1: should we name the dating site?
0: No, we should not. You find your own dating site. <laughs> was okay, it? Well, I,
1: mean, I thought that was a good one.
0: <laughs> okay, fine. We can talk about Well, we met on OkCupid. And since I was working so hard, I really didn't have time to go out and date. And I guess it was the same way for you, Chris.
1: Yeah, I was... I had a lot going on personally. But what what I liked about okay Cupid was that it was thorough enough or they asked you enough questions that, at least for me, I think if you're being honest with your answers that you're putting on there and then your profile description, it makes it a little bit easier to find people that are like-minded or that you, there's a better possibility of you finding someone that fits you fits yeah. with you. Because I remember... On our both of our profiles, well, that's one thing that I remember from your profile was that you listed your INFP, your Briggs, Myers briggs personality type, and I had that listed on mine. Mm-hmm. And that was, and that's actually the first thing that Ajani, um, messaged when the first message that you sent me, it was like, Hey, INFJ, you would be perfect if you weren't so J.
0: Yeah, if you were so <laughs>
1: judgmental. <laughs> and, um, and so that's why. Anyways, just a quick plug for OKCupid. I know. <laughs> <laughs> Please pay us. <laughs> but, you know, it, it only works if you're honest, if people are honest. And that's what I liked about it because I was able to put my myself out there, you know, part of the my, my quirks and things that maybe other people might not like in a relationship and a partner. But because of that, I felt I honestly felt that because of my profile was honest,
0: we were able to find each other. Yes, and, and that's what I was looking for. Someone who was honest and could communicate effectively. And especially an introvert. I felt like if I dated somebody too extroverted, it probably wouldn't work out. Um, in our, our previous episode with Carmela, she was talking about if, if she was dating somebody who was too introverted and just wanted to stay at home all the time, it probably wouldn't work out for her. And it made me sort of think, Oh, that's me because I'm a <laughs> I'm a homebody. I like to stay home most of the time, and when I'm out, my social anxiety would start to build up. So I knew I wanted to date somebody who was introverted and who would understand that side of me. That if I said I wanted to stay in, or if if we were out and I said, "Hey, I want to go now," they would understand. Mm-hmm. Uh, but my my personality type also has a lot to do with my my BPD. Uh, My introverted nature, I felt like I was a lot more extroverted when I was younger, but my introverted nature sort of comes from me not wanting to get too close to people. Mm-hmm. I felt like if I got too close to people, they would see all my flaws with BPD. They would see that, you know, my emotions are too intense. They text me and said they wanted to hang out. And I text them back and said, okay, when? And I didn't hear anything. I might. Before I knew it was BPD, I would send back text messages like, "Why aren't you texting me back? You don't like me. What's wrong?" You know. And <laughs> but when I figured it figured out it was BPD, I was like, "Okay, maybe I just shouldn't get involved with texting these people back or getting involved with them because I don't want to feel that that feeling of abandonment." You know, Chris and I connected over over our uh, personality types, and we went on our first date. I thought it was very important that he knew that I had BPD because I had dated some people in the past that didn't want to deal with anyone with a mental disorder. So I let him know that. He wasn't really sure what it what it was because it's one of those personality disorders you really don't hear about. But I let him know that it just causes me to be depressed and anxious, fear of abandonment, things like that. And he said, okay, cool. And... We know we went from that, but I—I I guess, of course, you didn't really know the extent of my BPD.
1: Yeah, well, and I didn't really—I had never heard of BPD until you brought it up. Mm-hmm. I was raised um, by parents who didn't go through, didn't graduate from high school, uh, so the education level was on the lower end. So I didn't really know what it was <laughs> until you know I started looking up uh, online. Oh were you like nervous when when you were when you knew you had to tell me was was it something that made you nervous or did you just had already had a, a, enough experience to be more um well if it, if he likes me he's going to like me and yeah that's gonna be i nice. had a had
0: enough experience to like i said i wanted someone who was honest and could communicate effectively and that's what i expected of myself so if you had been like, whoa, let's stop this right here. I don't want to deal with anyone that deals with depression. I'd be like, all right, we'll see you later, dude. <laughs> you know, because it's a it's a big part of me. It like I said, it's my personality. Right. And I had tried up until that point to change my personality. I kind of felt like maybe I, I imagined myself like Spock from Star Trek. Like I had intense emotions. And that if I could only learn to control them, you know, because just a little Star Trek, you know, trivia, Vulcans have emotions, they have very intense emotions, but they learned early on to control them and just focus on logic. So I <laughs> I sort of used that as a template for myself. I was like, maybe if I can just focus on logic and leave my emotions behind, but that was impossible. Um <laughs> if you if you've ever tried to change your personality it's it's close to impossible so i knew that it was a part of me and that anybody that wanted to be with me this was it so just like i had the understanding that i was an infp i knew that i also had bpd and those were both parts of me that i could define and had acronyms for and they would help me let somebody else know who i was and if they couldn't accept that I was an introvert and they couldn't accept that I have feelings, if they couldn't accept that I go through depression sometimes, they probably couldn't be with me. So, yeah, that was something that that was either, you know, you understand or you don't.
1: Right. I when I was looking it up, you know, the information that would come up, I was like, "Okay, so it's um it can be serious. It is it's not lightly." And I remember coming across you know, a couple of blogs where they're like, well, you you want to be careful, people with BPD, um, because it can be a toxic relationship, yada, we'll yada, you. yada. We'll get you. <laughs> <laughs> and actually, I remember this is after, after we got together and we were in a relationship that you found a guy who had just a really bad, I think it was a YouTube video, mm-hmm. of warning people never to date or see, a, to run away from somebody who is BPD as soon as they heard learn because it was just horrible, which it's not the case. But I digress. Anyways, back on topic. Well, any
0: let's just say anybody can be a horrible person. Now, it's right. illness if, if or not. Yeah, I mean, if I didn't have some kind of understanding of my BPD or hadn't probably gone through a few toxic relationships with BPD because I think some of the people that I dated had personality disorders or there was something that was going on with them and we just clashed so much but because I didn't understand myself Mm -hmm. it just got even worse Mm -hmm. but when I finally understood who I was and able to own it and able to tell other people what I was you know it was just it was like being gay it Mm -hmm. was very freeing and It helped me to defining myself.
1: You got a sense of empowerment, I'm sure, being Mm -hmm. able to own that. Well, for me, it was sort of a slow learning process of what it actually means to have borderline personality disorder, to deal with depression, to deal with anxiety. My sisters dealt with depression, but it's something that I wasn't really exposed to. I, I didn't really learn about it until later on in college, really. And so it's nothing, it's something that I never was really exposed to growing up or something that was discussed around the house. It was definitely a learning curve and it wasn't until maybe I got a better understanding, a better appreciation for what it was than when I witnessed your first anxiety attack in public. That was when we went, uh, it was my best friend who was visiting, um, from Florida
0: I was very anxious about meeting her because you want to impress the friends. Well, I think also <laughs> I was
1: I was building it up too much, and to the point to where I felt like you had to overperform to meet all the expectations that I had that you thought I had placed on you. Yeah, that thanks you felt. a lot, Chris. So, <laughs> um, note to self. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so I think that, that that contributed to it, but then going out to. As if meeting somebody new wasn't stressful enough or isn't stressful enough to people with borderline anxiety. Uh, then you add the factor of being in a large public venue like uh Pont City Market. Pont City Market is a local It's
0: like an outdoor mall, I guess,
1: or Yeah, there's business shops and and food court and everything in midtown if you're ever in town. It's it's really nice. But anyways. So we we went there and just as we were walking in, it was like, well, why don't you describe it?
0: I don't want to go back there. <laughs> well, <laughs> well, I I remember when we were first going in, I started kind of, <gasps> you know, hyperventilating. I was like, oh, my God. And, you know, I had to kind of sit down and, um, and just kind of take a second. I didn't have any, I wasn't taking my anxiety medicine then, I don't think. No, you weren't. Because I was still trying to be normal. I, I quit my anxiety medica- medication because I was like, you know, I, I, I shouldn't need it. I shouldn't need it because nobody else needs stuff like that. It's just me. So I started hyperventilating and I had to sit down. And Chris was like, you know, what do I do? And I'm like, are you okay? I'm like, get away from me! Because, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I don't want all the attention on me either. And for me, <laughs>
1: for me... My natural go-to state whenever I see someone in distress is for me to want to embrace them and give them my love and my attention and just hug them and squeeze them in until make them feel like they're okay. And of course, that's not what you wanted at that no, time. No, I said,
0: get away from me.
1: <laughs> I remember you saying that you, I'm just making it worse by bringing more attention to us, which was, you know, possibly true. <laughs> but I, yeah, I remember that was, and it, it was hard because one that was my first time with you in that state my core wanted to re to embrace you and to hug you and squeeze you and make you feel like you were safe and you were okay you were physically telling me and verbally telling me not to do that so that was like sending mixed signals to me and then also I was worried that about my friend who was visiting and I didn't want her to feel left out
0: yeah, your best friend was there, and then that made me feel even worse. I was like, "Oh my God, what is he gonna tell her? What is she thinking right now? Oh God, why can't I just be, you know, normal? Why am I feeling this way? I just want to feel normal. Like that's 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 always how you want to feel. But really, in that in that moment, it just meant feeling like I, I could get through that that situation.
1: So we're that was the first time that I. Got my, I guess you can say I dipped my toes in the water. Right over time, I think even after that, it was still a little bit a couple of weeks or months before you got back on medication, any form of medication. Hmm. So we were going through. I think you know, for the most part, for the most part, I think you were okay. I think also that was because we were mostly homebodies at that point. Um, I consider myself an introvert, uh, but I like to do social events mostly with friends and family so every once in a while i like to go out with my friends and either to a movie or maybe a restaurant and that was sort of like my my schedule what it what had been for the past year and a half two years and
0: i didn't have any friends because i just avoided that (laughs) so that i wouldn't have to have any complicated relationships And here, this guy comes with all these close friends and these things that he likes to do and go out and. By all, he means about six
1: people. (laughs) Yeah, six too many. Like,
0: I had, I think I had one best friend, and that's about it. Like, (laughs) yeah.
1: And I've. It's funny because I've always felt like I didn't have enough friends, like close friends. I have friends, and I have. It's. It, let's just not get into the friends things, because <laughs> that's, that's another conversation. But so that was our first, my first interaction with you being in that distress mode. Um, but over time, as your, I felt, I think as your depression started taking over more and your anxiety levels rose, it was partially because of work related things as well. I think, you know, we went through a, depre- a lower depression state that sometimes would turn into anger when we would have arguments or it would turn into paranoia i remember <laughs> i remember you coming home from work and telling me about your coworkers and what they were probably thinking or or saying about you because maybe you had missaid something or something like that something mm-hmm. that to normal people you wouldn't even think twice about that it would happen and you forget it
0: yeah i i I head on to things a lot. I would say something out work and be like, oh, man, did I say that right? I don't think I said that right. Oh, my God, everyone knows that I didn't say that right. Everyone's making fun of me now. And then I would go home and just be, I mean, I would think about it for days. I could not let it go. I. It would be like a week later and I'd come up to Chris and be like, Chris, I'm still worried about this. He'd be like, you're still thinking about that? <laughs> and that's how a lot of people are too. If you go back to them and say, "I'm sorry for this thing that happened in the past," like I'm not even thinking about that anymore, and I was like, "Really?" Because that's all I'm thinking about. <laughs> but you just really want to impress people with what you're you're doing, so that you can kind of be so so that they don't know that there's anything wrong with you.
1: Yeah, and that can come into problems, especially with relationships. Right. So as we as we talk about relationships. And not just um, romantic, but also platonic relationships. If there is a lack of communication, that can make things worse, you know. And we've sort of discussed this a lot more recently as well, about expressing yourself and saying how you feel. Uh, a good example is, um, so we recently went to Pride this past weekend, mm-hmm. <laughs> Pride twenty eighteen Atlanta, <clears throat> and oh, go to our our. Instagram page. We posted a couple of photos. We printed out some nice t-shirts and a, a yard sign to take with us to promote mm-hmm. the, the blog and website. So
0: it represent the gay introverts because they are there, probably at home, but <laughs> we were out there representing.
1: Right. We want to be seen. <laughs> so so we went there and uh, watching the parade and then Ajani was well, ready to go, right? Yeah. So... You mentioned something to your sister. Well, I, I, we went with his sister and her baby, a one-year-old. So I was off, off to myself. And when I came back, you, you know, you told me that you we were ready to move on to the to another area. So I was like, okay. We packed. As we were walking back towards where we parked, Jamila thought that you had said you wanted to move to another area, which was quieter. But I had a feeling that you really meant that you just wanted to go home.
0: Well, and, and that's something about having a BPD or having anxiety. You're used to accommodating everyone else and not worrying about yourself. So I'm just like, you know, I, I'm done. You know, I said, I'm done here. But if you guys want to stay a little bit longer, you can. My I I think my BPD would make me feel like wow well if they want to stay longer they don't really care about me because they're just gonna stay at my expense you know uh, I'm gonna feel bad right <laughs> <laughs> yeah I'm just gonna <laughs> and, uh,
1: and that's what I was thinking I was like uh no Jamila I don't think he wants to move to another place I think he wants to go home.
0: I was like, no, 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 you guys do what you want, but I really want to go, but y'all do what y'all want. And so Jamila and I
1: were like, you know, with Ajani, you got to tell us what you want because we can't read your mind. So if you tell us what you want, then we can say, okay, or no, you know, but so sometimes because you want to be so accommodating and I'm sure you just, you felt like you didn't want to be that person that, that would ruin the, the day for us, you know? Because you've told me that that was part of your growing up was these other experiences that you had with your family where you would have an outing and you would have an anxiety attack or you would just not feel well and would want to go home. And then you felt like you ruined the day for
0: everyone. Well, I w- I would ruin the day. My my father would let me know that I did ruin the day. You know, oh, Argeny's having one of his one of his uh, feeling bad moments. We got to go because of Arjani, You know, like I was, I was just like, dang, well. That's that's another thing about not validating my emotions, you know, making it feel like it's my fault that we had to leave. Mm -hmm. And it's not because I wanted to go. It's because my my mind was telling me, hey, you're not comfortable here anymore. And, you know, I don't think my dad did that because he was evil or bad. You know, I think that he wanted to stay. There were like some football games, um, some homecoming games that he wanted to go to. And because I was feeling bad, he would have to leave. So that's how he kind of dealt with it. I'm sure if he could go back, he would do it a different way. But, you know, ain't that the way of being a parent? You know, <laughs> you always want to go back and do things differently. What is it? Hindsight is
1: 2020. Yep. <laughs> but,
0: you know, that's with BPD, you want to be flexible with your time and your planning. In case somebody does want to leave uh an event early or in case something goes wrong. They're not feeling well. And you have to be empathetic. Um, that's the most important thing. Be, to be patient and empathetic. And that's why I'm happy that I'm with. Someone like Chris. Because he has those two things. Going on for him. Well I I try and do my best. It's like I, I also tell Ajani.
1: I am not. Going to always be. The perfect partner. And and I should not be placed on a pedestal because I will mess up and I will do things that are selfish and that are not thinking of him maybe. So, but I I try my best and I will keep trying my best. And one thing that I would say is if you are in a relationship with someone with BPD, you also have to let your other friends and family make them aware. I feel like sharing that information is not only beneficial Mm -hmm. for you personally, but for your relationship with your partner and everybody else around. Because if they're aware of what's going on, they're not going to think or say, they're not going to misinterpret the situations. Say, for example, we were out at the movies and you needed to leave. I felt comfortable enough to tell my friends, you know, I'm sorry, we have to go. I I could say Ajani is not feeling well, or, you know, just we just have to go. And my friends will understand. They're not going to think, oh, well, they probably got mad, or... He doesn't like or, me. Or Ajani doesn't like us, or something like that. And for me, on my part, I feel like I waited a little bit too long to tell my friends to really inform them of everything, the whole scope of it. I'm glad I have done now, because I feel like they are more understanding, they are more aware and conscious of what's going on and they don't you know, they don't even question it you know if, if like when we left pride we were we meant to meet up with my friends later that day but i said you know we we're going to ha- we're going to head out early we're like okay well let's see if we can get together later this week and i was like yeah that would be great maybe something at home would be better because actually, i feel like you do love hanging out with my friends mm-hmm. but it more intimate settings is the right settings for us so I feel like it is possible to be in a relationship with borderline personality disorder. It's not easy by any means, but no, nothing in life is easy, right? Everything that you care for and that you love, you have to fight for. Yeah, and you have you both have to be willing to put up the extra effort
0: to accommodate both of yourselves. And your personality is is you know the the person with borderline personality disorder. Your personality is different from anyone else's your personality is unique and you understand love you want to give that love away sometimes you're not sure how to but you do have the power through therapy and through medication to understand a healthy way of giving that love away and what i do want to say is that there are people out there that will say that you need to be alone that nobody will ever love you that nobody will ever understand you and me being with Chris says the opposite, that there are people out there that will understand what you're going through, that will be patient. Not everyone is is as patient. Not everyone is as understanding, but there are people out there that can be your friends and your lovers that will understand you. And don't give up. Reach out to us if the pain gets too much. Email us at borderlineidealist at gmail.com. Let us know if there is something going on with you or if you have any questions, if you feel like you're alone. We want to be there to share that, that with you, share that burden with you. No one should feel like they're alone or going through this alone and, and that love doesn't exist for them because there's enough love for everyone. It just takes a little bit of time.
1: Sometimes I, I remember my friends would always tell me, just give it time, Christian, give it time and i never thought it would i never i i've told ajane i'd really had resignated myself to always be alone for the rest of my life <laughs> because i didn't think i would ever connect with someone the way that i've connected with ajane yeah
0: and, and i it, i felt the the same way too that i was just going to be alone because who would understand you know my personality disorder and what i'm going through but everyone's personality is different and there is there really is someone for everyone right i feel i i feel that i think that's
1: that's true yeah a universal truth
0: yeah so please you know remember to love everyone and it's okay to be loved and it's okay to give love away just make sure you do it in a healthy manner and we really want to thank you for listening to this podcast And stay tuned to hear about our our next guest. It's going to be a really special episode this Sunday. So from Borderline Idealist, it's AJ. This is Chris. And we love you guys. And take care of yourselves and each other, all right? Be patient with yourself. Yes. (laughs) Yes. If you love listening to the show, why not support our cause? We ask for a dollar a month to help grow our website and reach more people. If you feel like what we do is important and makes a difference, we ask that you stop by borderlineidealist.com and click on the Patreon link in the menu. Thank you as always for listening, sharing, and inspiring us to do bigger and better things.
1: Join us this Sunday as we interview a special guest and friend of Christian, Kelly Vines. She is a PhD student at Louisiana State University and a sexual assault survivor. We'll discuss common misconceptions of domestic violence and how to navigate the PTSD and depression that often comes in the aftermath.
0: Thank you for joining us this Sunday. Follow us on our Facebook group and Instagram for more behind the scenes. If you like the episode, why not help AJ and Chris reach more people and leave an iTunes review to help others discover the podcast. Together, we can defeat mental health stigma.